Live, interactive, and here to assist you if you need help. Dealing with addiction, mental health challenges, and more. This is Road to Recovery with your host, Yona Budd, only on 640 Toronto. And good evening and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hope you had an incredible day outside. Last couple of days have been really quite amazing. People on patios walking around, smiling just a little bit. And those that have had a double vaccine, just a little cockier with their chests out and a touch you know, just a touch on the uh, I'm a little better than you scale. But anyway, we're all going to get there sooner than later. And when we do, the world's going to be so much better than it's been. And you know what? When we, you know, the, the idea of this show is to share information with each other, me to you, you to me, you to each other. And uh, we do that by you calling in, right? 416-870-6400 or text or toll free at 888-225-TALK, which is 8255-888-225-TALK or 416 6400. As you know, I'm Yona Budd and I'm your host this evening and I couldn't be more excited to be here. Oh my gosh, what a week. It's been an incredible week uh, for me. Lots of great stuff to talk about. It, really nothing, uh, you know, my, my, my grandson, when we have dinner together on Friday nights, you know, he, he has, uh, I think he's like seven, and he's uh, he says, okay, we all have to talk about something good that happened today and something bad that happened today. So we all go around the table and we talk about what's something good and something bad. So something good that happened to me this week is uh, I get to be back here with you folks and something bad that happened to me, we only get an hour. <laughs> Anyway, uh, life is really good, certainly in my life, and I feel for those whose lives are not so good. But listen, I struggle with all kinds of stuff and um, anxiety, you know, low self-esteem, not low self-esteem, anxiety, OCD, ADD, things like that. So um, if I'm telling you I'm having a good week, it's because I'm doing my stuff. I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm working out, I'm uh, talking to people, I'm doing what I need to do, and I'm talking to you here tonight. So therapy for me, therapy for you. Everybody wins. Listen, speaking of winning, last week we uh, we were on the show for an hour. We came kind of out of nowhere. Um, we did a bunch of promo, but who knows who was actually paying attention. But last week we, we talked to a lot of people, and I heard from people after the show. And we had a lady on the on the show uh, who called in who had some um, had sight issues in terms of being sight impaired. And she was looking for a volunteer to help her write her book. And lo and behold, after the show, I had three young people call and reach out to tell me that they'd like to volunteer to help her. So after one show, we moved somebody, and then I heard from an old patient of mine. He's not old, but he was a patient some time ago who was in the car with his kid. They've been dealing with some struggles as related to his schooling. And as he picked him up from his friend's house, he turned on the radio, and there I was on the air saying, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to work out, you need to talk to people. He looked at each other, and they both smiled. The kid asked a little bit about me. So we impacted a 15-year-old as well. So a great show as far as I'm concerned, and we're all back together tonight to have tons more fun, share some information, and talk about some serious stuff. we got some great guests. I have my good friends Loretta and Sophia in the studio tonight, making sure that everything goes smoothly. They're ready to take your call. Again, 416-870-6400, 888-225-TALK. Got to line up now. Here's the question. We're going to talk about the uh, the fellow who is accused of killing that family, that horrible f- situation in London um, that left four dead and one child physically uh, physically hurt and I'm sure emotionally and mentally and psychologically damaged probably for life. Uh, the question is, he's putting forth a defense that relates to mental health. How do you feel about that? Do you think that mental health is a bona fide defense. We saw it with the Manassian case as well. I want to hear from you, 416 
888-225 talk uh and your question is do you think that mental health is a justified defense these days for these types of horrific situations so it's stories like um you know it's kind of like as you read the story uh, he's accused of murdering four families as i told you that muslim family but that's less relevant until you get into the, maybe the motivation um and the documents filed in the london courthouse between 2016 and 2018 uh with this kid's parents shed a new guy he was a kid he's 20 years old um yeah it's so sad on all kinds of fronts anyway new light uh, sent uh, on the back of this kid eldest son of six uh, from a small town in Ontario and he was accused of running down this family they do not how offer any clear insights into why I won't use his name I don't use names of uh, bad guys on my show I don't want to give them any notoriety so they're not sure uh, no insights into why this young man uh, allegedly targeted uh, these particular people uh, but the father says in a statement that there's allegations that you know he thinks his son's situation was a senseless act of course he does but the filed uh, the records filed between the divorce between the mom and the dad of this young guy. Um, he also has a twin sister, four young siblings. Um, there's documents that suggest that he is not able to visit with his siblings without being supervised. During the parents' separation, he developed a great an uh, deal of animosity towards his mom. She described her son as combative and argumentative, right? He used to follow me around the house. He used to lock myself in the bedroom, Right? Starting to get a picture here. Very aggressive, angry with me. The times he spent with his father, he'd come more, back more hostile. Police said that uh, this particular kid targeted the family based on their faith, but they're looking into it. That's based on some uh, decent information that they've attained through some of the investigation. He was a student at Fanshawe College. He lived in a London apartment building close by. He worked in an, on an egg farm in his, in his small town in Ontario. And uh, there were anger issues since this kid was 15, no, noted anger issues. Uh, claimed it was because uh, he was angry towards his mom because his mom was preventing him from contacting his dad during their separation. I've heard that a million times. I don't know why we use our kids that way. It's so destructive. And unfortunately, his frustrations uh, became significant. He had to retain his own lawyer and became separated from his mother uh, at a young age and was able to leave her control legally. Uh, and uh, he withdrew that parental control on the 26, January 26, 2017, just one month after he turned 16. Then he was uh, living on people's couches and different friends' houses. Uh, but he was diagnosed with depression and obsessive-compulsive disorder, disorder. Well, I have OCD as well. It doesn't make me violent. Depression not necessarily makes you violent either. He was prescribed an antidepressant and he attended counseling. Uh, not sure who he attended, but uh, this kid has, has and had a, an awful lot of anger issues for a very long time. And here we see him killing a family. And the question has to become really, you know, is it something that could have been prevented? Is it something that perhaps the family could have done more to get the kid the kind of help he needed? That's really the question. And in, in this case, like the Manassian case, um, you know, why is it that people who exhibit their anger and violence towards their parents get away with it? And they seem to happen all the time. I hear from families all the time who want me to help their loved ones and, you know, husband, wife, son, cousin, nephew, grandson, whatever, granddaughter, whatever. It's, it's, uh, works uh, both ways, both genders, all genders. And they're asking me to, deal with situations because the violence in the household is so great. Yelling and screaming, they don't give the money, the, the, the young person, usually someone who's looking for money to support uh, um, you know, unhealthy substance abuse 
scenario, right? Self-medicating. But why do they get away with it? Why is it that we let these people that are sick and are needy, right? Why is it that we, we just don't get them help? 416-870-6400. you got a couple more minutes left. 888-225-TALK. We want to hear from you. What do you think? Why don't we do a better job just globally, all of us? Why is it that when we need help and maybe it appoints a kind of a finger towards how we were parenting or how the kid was brought up or whatever, right? So maybe we're embarrassed. But isn't that selfish? Isn't that a selfish motivation? It's unbelievable. Because I don't understand how when you know you've got a violent kid or a violent husband or a violent mother or sister or daughter or whatever, that you're, you're not on top of it. They were told, in the, as the article went on to say, the families were told by professionals at many levels to get the kid help. He had some level of counseling, but who knows how much. Angry young man, angry, since 15. He killed his family allegedly when he was 20. That's five years of living with whatever it is that ate away at him. Whatever it is that was inside him that was causing him to be so angry, so frustrated, so lost, so mixed up that he had to perpetrate, potentially, allegedly, perpetrate such a horrible crime. I don't know. I see this, you know, we read articles about mass, mass killings from various parts of the world, in the United States, Canada, whether it's being run down by a vehicle, which seems to be very popular these days, or being shot or, you know, any other form of terrorism that people, you know, inflict on others. But if you look at their history, there, there are signs of stuff going back far enough that if we were paying attention, we could probably have caught it. I don't know who that is. Who pays attention? Is it the guidance counselor if they're, when they're teenagers? Is it the parents who need to do more and maybe kick the kids out when they're, they're not handling themselves right or when they're violent, actually call the police, actually call 911? When I tell a parent to do that, they look at me like, or, or you know, they, they look at me or talk to me on the phone like I have three eyes. How can I call 911 on my child? How can you not is my answer. He's going to hurt you or hurt himself or hurt somebody else. And if he's throwing things at you and punching you in the face and trying to strangle your husband, his father, then being on the street for sure isn't the place for him. So police need to know. You need to call. You need to get the help that he needs and the help that you need. We have to look after ourselves and look after our loved ones. Sometimes that means making very difficult choices, right? It's all about making choices these days. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show when we talk about choices and boundaries around domestic assault. That's coming later this evening as well. So here's the question. Is it, is it, you know, are we doing the right thing when we just look the other way so that they don't get into trouble? I had family once call me. You know, I used to help look for missing teenagers when the families didn't want to call the police because if they called the police, maybe they would get caught with drugs on them or something and they couldn't get into university. And I'd tell the parents, are you crazy? Like you're worried about them getting into university? I'd be more concerned about them ending up dead or in jail. I had a woman who called me, you know, my, my daughter's been missing for two days. I said, why haven't you called 911? She said, well, I'm afraid that she's, you know, somewhere with some bad people and I don't want her to get arrested. I said, well, I wouldn't be worried about her getting arrested. I'd be worried about her still breathing if she hadn't heard from her in two days. Because Dad said when she walked out of the house wearing what she was wearing, if you wear that, don't come home. And, of course, she didn't come home. So there we are, ladies and gentlemen. That's how we, uh, that's how we seem to roll these days. We, we're covering up. We shouldn't be covering up. We should be coming out of the closet, so to speak, and talking about the things that we need to talk about and getting the help for those in our lives that need that type of help. That's what this show is about, Road to Recovery. 
And we want to hear from you, 416-870-6400 throughout the show. We have guests coming up to talk about some other stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, people are getting a little uncomfortable with uh, trying to get the help that they need these days. They don't know who to call. You know, uh, families are, are, are reaching out all over the place. It seems to be that they're reaching out to 311 operators for the most part, and we're going to talk about that a little bit when we come back. And, um, yeah, it's just a, it's, you know, it's a sad day for a lot of people. But you know what? It's, it's a day where we can start thinking about looking at ourselves and looking at what we do inside our own homes. And questioning, you know, whether we're doing the uh, whether we're doing the right thing, whether we're getting Billy or or, or 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 Jesse or Linda or Katie the help that they need, because it's okay. People aren't going to think you're a horrible parent because your daughter has horrible anxiety, or, or is cutting herself, or is on drugs of some sort, or, or drinking too much. People aren't going to be concerned that that's what's going on. People aren't going to judge you based on what happens with your kids. Not necessarily. Not if you're not a yeller and a screamer and they don't see you smacking your kids on the driveway because, of course, that leads to all kinds of horrible stuff. So I'm not sure, you know, how you kind of reflect on this and, and look at it, but I think that we miss signals, and I think that we sometimes, you know, the neighbor kids are a little more violent and we don't say anything because we don't want to kick up a, a snuff and we don't want to have our, our neighbors angry at us, but maybe their parents need to know, hey, when they were away at the cottage, these kids were like out of control. There was a fight in the backyard. There was drinking. There's all kinds of things going on. Because if we pay attention to our behaviors and to the behaviors of those around us, there's a likelihood we're going to save lives. And maybe not just the lives of other people, strangers, so to speak, but the lives of those that we love. Because if you read about some horrible stories that come up over time of situations with families and families that are stuck in, in, in horribly, horribly abusive situations, it's a function of understanding then at that point where you're going to be. Anyway, we're going to come back. We have all kinds of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about 311 operators that you don't know much about, but we're going to share some stories and talk to one of the guys that runs the place. This is Yona Bud, 640 Toronto. Be back in just a minute. You're listening to Road to Recovery with Yona Bud, only on 640 Toronto. Okay, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here tonight. Let's get right to it. Uh, from trash complaints to therapy, COVID-19 is seen by Toronto 311 operators. Uh, complaints to sit from citizens asking how to roast a turkey to people being uh, attacked by a cat. Literally anything you can think of, we've had calls. Uh, the 311 calls are a barometer of, of the public's mood. It changes with the season's news cycle. Lately, the anxieties of the pandemic have affected it. COVID-19 threw Toronto into a lockdown last spring, as we know. 311 managers expected to decline in calls, which were averaging about 1.1 million a year. Instead, inundated and uh, with lonely and frustrated residents picking up the phone to seek help that's often far outside the traditional role of a municipal call center. 311 received 1.3 million calls in 2020, roughly an extra 548 calls per day, right, compared to the average. Calls are up nearly 5% so far this year compared to the same period last year. Over the past 15 months, 311 has become kind of an all-purpose pandemic outline. Lockdowns have predicted uh, re resulted in the fewer calls from residents with things like potholes and 
bus traffic lights and all that kind of stuff. More about things like how to order groceries online and how to find banks or track down COVID-19 testing and so on. They've spent the pandemic uh, uh, calming irate sit, uh, residents and listening to tens of thousands of complaints about citizens and dealing with the COVID-19 rules and so on. They've taken 77 crisis calls. Yes, ma'am. Priest in distress from people in distress feeling suicidal or experiencing uh, an abuse. Uh, Louise Patterson, she's a supervisor with 311 for the past nine years. She wishes she had an answer. She's been working from home for more than a year with three teenagers around, uh, two of them in virtual school. Her kids have missed out on proms and so on like everybody else. Um, anyway, she's, um, she just needs this to be over, just like everyone else, she says. Can't give it a timeline. She can't give anybody a timeline, but she can offer empathy. I know it's hard. She tells the lonely residents who call. She had her own situation. And uh, Gary York, who's our guest coming up, he's actually on the line. Uh, he's the director of 311, said the department's ramped up mental health support for staff members, most of whom have been working from home for the past year, taking challenging calls in isolation without their colleagues around for support. That's a big deal. Well, uh, well said. We're dealing with folks who are going through trials and tribulations, but so far our staff, York says, they're going through the exact same issues and uh, dealing with the stuff that people are calling about. Mr. Gary York, thank you for joining me this evening. How are you, sir? I'm very, very, very good, and I really appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for your interest in 311. Hey, man, you know, like uh, you guys are like the unsung heroes that people need to know about. And, um, you know, actually, a lot, not a lot of people even have an understanding of how to call 301 for the for the regular mandate. But um, how many how many calls like at any given time? Let's just kind of get to the to the thing here. How many calls can you actually handle at any given time? You know, we, we know what we're at like with like kids help phone and so on. 911. Uh, but when you have to gear up for something like this, how do you get past the you know bursting at the seam stuff? Right. Well, the good thing is, from an infrastructure perspective, we've actually almost doubled our capacity. Uh, so that's a great thing, but we haven't necessarily doubled the number of people that can manage the calls. So in terms of calls coming in, um, there shouldn't really be a situation where a call doesn't come in. And that's one of the reasons why uh, people are starting to use 301 a lot. Um, it's really good that we're answering the calls in a timely fashion and we have the capacity but because some other organizations are also struggling, by default, uh, you know, we get calls, you know, even, for, you know, related to Bell Canada. Uh, you know, and, and one of the reasons you asked me, are you aware that you're calling 311? Well, their response is, yeah, but we know that you guys, you know, help to get things done. So we are, we are focused on trying to help our staff and, and, and the residents. Um, one of the things that I really want to emphasize is uh, the mental health uh, aspect of it. Now, really, really, we're focused on, you know, in creating an environment and culture that's focused on psychological safety, especially during these times where we're looking at uh, images in, within the media, uh, in public that are, you know, that have a lot of hate and a lot of negative uh, situations behind them. And, you know, our staff, just like everyone in the public, uh, face those things. So, okay, so let me ask you. Yeah. Okay. Let, let me just jump in here because we got a little bit of time and I have so many questions. But sure. um, so exactly, you kind of gave me a great segue, though, uh, Gary. Um, what type of extra training now is in place? Like, how did you? How did you? I hate the word pivot, but how did you kind of move on a dime to suddenly put the right training in place for your staff to handle something more than a pothole or pick up my garbage? Well, first thing is uh, focusing on on creating a culture of psychological safety, in which uh, people feel safe to say that they're vulnerable and they need help. Uh, the other thing is looking at our employee health uh, assistance program uh, and really enforcing the, the virtues that come along with that. The third thing is reaching out to our folks uh, or partners such as CAMH and uh, 
specialized training that would also help our staff uh, around resiliency and manage some of the stress. How long did it take you to ramp up to do that, brother? That was very, <laughs> we're still ramping up. This is an ongoing, <laughs> uh, you know, this is far from over, even with the vaccination and what have you, you know, yeah. there's still a lot of concern and anxiety out there. And, you know, the one thing that I, re- I also really want to stress, uh, and I really thank you for this opportunity, uh, our staff are getting a lot of abuse, a lot right. of verbal abuse, uh, you know, with a lot of, you know, <laughs> uh, serious language, lots of r- racialized language, and also violence. It's really increased. And, and, you know, we're really appealing to the public that we're here to help. And, you know, give us the opportunity to help. I mean, we appreciate your anxiety, but, you know, work with us to help you. You know that's a great uh, that's a great comment. I did. Uh, I, I've been pre- 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 prepping a show around retail uh, retail experiences and the way that we treat uh, people that are, that are working in retail, whether they're cashiers or you know retail salespeople or so on. Um, and let me just say this on your behalf and on behalf of everybody who answers the phone for a living, uh, including myself and my staff. Uh, we're not your mom and dad. You can't really dump all over us. That's not what we're here for. We want to help. But we didn't get out of bed this morning to get dumped on or to get uh, to take uh, to take the abuse that you have uh, coming our way. So if you're calling for help, let's let us all help you. But uh, don't make our job any more difficult. So knowing knowing that you that your staff are going through this difficult time and, you know, knowing that you can't really screen all your calls and you can't hang up on people because they're abusive. I know that's it's a difficult call to make. I, you know, I sometimes have to be faced with it. Um, how are you supporting your staff beyond the mental health pieces? Like, you know, is it like, do you have a, a cutoff line that says, you know, if the guy starts using the F word more than twice, you're allowed to hang up or if yeah. they start threatening you, you can hang up. Like, well, give me an idea quickly, kind of the cutoff yeah. points when it's time to hang up. When you feel that, you know, uh, your human rights are being infringed upon with the right. language, uh, you can right. provide the resident with a warning if you can, but then let them know that the call is going to be terminated. There's also an upfront message supports our staff, which allows uh, empowers our staff to do so. Um, right. And really, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that people have their different levels of comfort. Uh, but once your human rights are being infringed upon, you're within every right to terminate that call. Let me ask you something. When, uh, how are you doing? Like, I mean, you yourself, personally, through all of this, you're running a big operation. Uh, lots is going on. I assume you have family. I, I'm just uh, making that assumption. I assume you have family and you know, got your own stuff to deal with. Personally, how, how, you, how are you managing through this and, and kind of keep your head together for the job? Uh, at the end of the day, we're here to serve. And I'm really proud of the team and, and, and the, the position that the City of Toronto has taken. I think we're, we're leading that charge. Everyone's very dedicated and I have to play a part in that. So I'm just one of the people that are trying to do the right thing. And I'm very proud of the team. And at the end of the day, when we do our job, we support our friends and family as well. When you go home at the end of the day, though, are you a little more drained than you might have been two years ago leaving the office? Absolutely. Uh, and, and because you're also working from home. You know, you oh, true, true. Right? So right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Our job is 7 by 24, too, so the lights are right. never really off. So do you have a nice, secure place in your house where you can deal with this kind of high-pressure high stuff, or are you like some of my patients who actually work from their car? Uh, no, no. I actually have an office, and then I also have a <laughs> – a home gym that helps me deal with the issues afterwards. 
<laughs> oh, well put. Very, I was, that's great. You're a good segue, man. You're a great guest. We're going to have you on definitely again, maybe just to talk about a garbage problem, hopefully, uh, that will get you, get you guys away from your, you know, doing the 911 stuff or the Cam H stuff. But, uh, it's amazing you're doing it, by the way. I just big kudos to you and your team. And I know what it's like to take those calls. And, uh, I just think it's spectacular that you're able to ramp up and do what you need to do. But you're right, right? So working out is kind of how you get through it, how you personally are getting through this stuff. Um, I assume spending time with your family, kind of finding some joy, like all the right stuff. But do you have, like, you know, I assume you have someone you can talk to, like a a loved one or someone that you can kind of, you know, hey, honey, I had a really rough day today and this is what went on? Uh, A loved one as well. as We also do that for our own own team. So we have WebEx sessions outside, outside of work on Friday nights and, and in the evenings, just to touch base. We even have karaoke nights and things like that, just to stay nice. humanistic about this. Because we don't know when this is going to end. So we, we have to still live through this. What, uh, what's the number one lesson you've learned uh, in the past 18 months or so, professionally, first of all, and then maybe personally? Um, uh, professionally, that uh, I think the most important thing at this point in time is to use your voice and be responsible and be humanistic about what we're experiencing. We're all in this together. So I, I really feel that we use our voice to support each other, listen to each other, and uh, be there, especially when we're suffering. Do you think both professionally and personally you've grown from this, or has it held you back? Do you think it's in your own personal experiences, and, and I guess for, you know, maybe, I would say maybe the majority of the staff that you work with, are they, are they growing from the experience, or are we, are we going to come out of this scarred and, and maybe, uh, maybe a little broken? No, I think we're resilient as long as we create an environment that allows us to, 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 to breathe and actually be realistic about it and to feel hurt. If we don't do that and just continue to put on a brave face, then we will be damaged at the end of this. But if we be true to each other and humanistic, I think we'll be very good at the end. You know what, Gary? It's uh, really great that you're able to join us tonight. Gary York, he's the director of 311 Toronto. Listen, man, you can use my show anytime you need a platform to share or something you want to talk about or introduce uh, to the public. Uh, you're a good guy, and uh, you represent a really unbelievable crew of people. So salute to all of them on our behalf. And uh, we just uh, want to let you know that we're rooting for you, and uh, we're really thankful that you're out there. Gary York uh, from 301, thanks for joining me, buddy. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about talk about abusive language toward the 311 operators and people in stores and your Uber driver and bus driver. But Toronto, Torontonians are applying for social housing at an incredible rate. Uh, people trying to escape domestic violence. So imagine living with that guy who's yelling and screaming at the 311 operator or the woman being the kid of the woman who's yelling and screaming and using foul language with the 311 operator. When we come back, we're going to talk to my good friend Jonathan Lapid. He's a criminal lawyer. We're going to talk about domestic violence and stuff like that. Stay tuned. This is Yona Bud. 640 Toronto. We'll be right back. Now, Road to Recovery with Yona Bud continues. Only on 640 Toronto. Hey there. Welcome back. Do you know where your children are, your loved ones? If not, you need to go find them. If you can't go find them, give us a call right here, right now, 416-870-6400, and we'll help you with any way we can. But if you think that they're really at risk, you need to call 911 immediately. Speaking of people at risk, Torontonians are applying for housing, uh, domestic abuse-related housing, at a higher rate than ever before. People facing domestic abuse and violence and human trafficking are eligible by law uh, for priority access to housing and what's called an in demand form of housing. And um, by, by 
638 of those households have been added in 2019, and 992 were added in 2020, uh, 2020, a 55% jump over that year. That's the number of people that are looking to get out of an abusive situation and finding a place to live, not necessarily uh, with kids, maybe individuals, sometimes it's male, sometimes female, more often than fe- not female. More than 225 applications have come in so far the first quarter of this year for housing. Um, and this is the only real way that we're having an ability to kind of keep track. Police aren't really uh, charging that many more people. They're not really getting that many phone calls these days because people are stuck inside homes with the folks that harm them. It's not like you can wait for the abuser to leave and go to work or down the street or whatever when you're in a lockdown. So it's hard to know from policing numbers uh, what's happening, but we know from the housing response numbers and from my guest who's going to join me here in just a second that the numbers of court cases and things that are happening, people being charged and so on, is seriously spiking and through the roof. We're not being good to each other. We're not being nice. As a matter of fact, we had a caller wanted to join our show a little bit and just wasn't nice to, to our operator. Just wasn't nice to, to, uh, Loretta. It's not nice. I just, it's not, we can't do that, right? So we have to be nice to each other. Speaking of being nice to each other, how is my friend Jonathan Lapid doing on this beautiful Saturday night? Good evening, Yona. Wonderful and wonderful to hear you on 640. Yeah, buddy, it's nice. We're back, right? We've got the, got the dream team together again. We had a little break, but uh, we're back. Jonathan Lapid is a criminal defense lawyer. Um, if you ever need one of those, you can be reached at 416-414-4439. John, um, Jonathan, let me ask you something. Like, You must be much busier. I know that you specialize in, just so you know, uh, Jonathan specializes in, in DUIs and domestic assault and that kind of stuff. Um, busier now than uh, you've been perhaps in the last 18 months? Uh perhaps in the last 25 years. Really? Like percentage-wise, would you say you're 10% busier, 20, 25% busier? Give me an idea. Um, if, if the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, is listening, then I'm <laughs> But generally speaking, it's super busy, and um, it's regrettable. It's unfortunate because we know what it's attributed to, and, and you spoke to it a little bit early. But if you think about it, uh, right. You know, the factors are all there. I mean, you have essentially two life partners in a confined area during a medical emergency with stay-at-home orders, uh, no or limited employment and therefore no or limited income, food and living expenses, kids at home 24-7, and no outlets other than alcohol or drugs for some. This is a right. tinderbox waiting to explode. What men are more men than women? More women than men? Are these men more men being abusive? More women being abusive? What's the? Give me a hint based on what you see in the courts. It's hard to say uh, because traditionally it's been more men getting charged with domestic assault, and then in the last right. ten years, I would say uh, I've had uh, quite a few um, uh, female clients. But in, in all of the circumstances, it's not a surprise that people would be. Um, uh, looking for social housing and shelters and independent living arrangements. Those numbers being up are, are quite uh, consistent with what I'm seeing. Substance abuse and alcohol still fueling this, uh, this pandemic-related uh, mental health issue that we've talked about months ago? Absolutely. Mental health is at an all-time rise. Uh, and I can, I can tell you that it, it's, the COVID has impacted everything. It's just impacted all things to all people. And I even have anecdotal evidence of road rage and uh, 
your previous guest uh, you, you mentioned spoke about it too. We just have to be kinder in a pandemic because it's just so difficult for everybody. Everybody's experiencing pain and suffering here. Have you had to play a role, um, actually, in your in your career or recently even? Have you had to play a role in trying to find housing for someone who's in a in an abusive situation, or do you just deal with the legal stuff and try to let the social service people deal with it? Which I know is can be a real nightmare if you're trying to you know navigate that world. Well, it's it's a really good uh, question because uh, indirectly, what you're asking me uh, is, can the criminal justice system? Uh, do its job in uh, ensuring that we eradicate domestic assault or intimate partner violence. Right. And the, the answer, in my view, is no. It is a great system for enunciating and deterring after it's happened. Right. But there's lots that can be done uh, in, in terms of preventing it. And so- I, I can tell you that the courts are very adept at sending people to programs for rehabilitative purposes, such as PARS, which you're familiar with, also known as Partner Assault Response Program. And this educates the offenders so they don't do it again. They don't become a recidivist or repeat offender. However, there are other things that can be done. So we got a minute left. Give me, tell me some advice that you can give to someone who might be listening and having a difficult time living in an abusive situation. Yes, so reaching out is key. Reaching out, whether it's uh, on a personal level to friend or family, or in my, in my uh, experience, the best thing to do is to reach out to a community effort. But one thing that they need to know about is Peel Regional Police just started a new initiative. They started it as a pilot project, and now it's turned into a dedicated unit where they have 50 specially trained plainclothes officers to engage wow. and provide help to every person in the equation. That's prevention rather than reactive approach. I consider that a step in the right direction, and people should reach out to those trained officers. You know what, Jonathan? I appreciate you joining me. Hopefully you're uh, – not hopefully. I'm going to count on you to come back and continue to be our criminal defense expert on the show. Jonathan Lapid, criminal defense lawyer, 416-414-4439. If you're in trouble, he'll talk to you. He's a guy you can trust. Uh, and a good friend. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. When we come back, we're going to talk about women's mental health issues and such. It's a, it's, it's a real thing. Uh, this is, uh, you can reach us here uh, when we come back at 416-870-6400 or uh, email recovery at 640toronto.com. I'm Yona about 640 Toronto. Be right back. Share your story. Call 416-870-6400 now. Road to Recovery on 640 Toronto. You know, uh, it's so great to have you all here tonight. You're an amazing audience. I really appreciate it. Love to hear from you. 416-870-6400 or toll-free 888-225-TALK. Give us a call. That's what makes the show work. When I talk to you, you talk to me, and we know that you're listening. Plus, it keeps me in a job because my boss is going to look to see any callers, any text messages, and you're not reaching anybody who knows. My anxiety is going to go through the roof anyway. You know, I, then I can call my mom. You know, my mom is uh, 94, thankfully, going to, you know, living pretty well with my 95-year-old dad, living together. They're taking care of one another with a, l- a little extra help. But I go to my mom because my mom is everything. 
you know, if I want to talk to somebody and I, you know, I, I have to, you know, talk about something, even at this stage of her life, she's, she's my mom, right? Moms are everything, right? They're cleaners, they're cookers, they're launderers, they're drivers, they're shoppers, they're lovers for those that are, have partners. And in many cases, they work outside the home. They do everything. And during this pandemic, women have been hit the worst. Profound chronic stressors with stress, stressor impact implications for serious mental health. These stressors are impacting mental health for all of us, but women, this is an article from the Star, especially women of color have been hit hardest. Studies have shown that one in 10 women had to quit their jobs due to a pandemic-related reason, and many mothers say that they worry or stress related to coronavirus has affected their mental health. No kidding. Like, I don't know about your mom, but I have the kind of mom and had the kind of mom that um, that you know let it let would would you know basically get involved in anything we needed her to get involved in to help, because that's what she did, right? She was helpful. She did what she could. So you know we are we are um, not looking at the results of what's going on during and after this pandemic. What's going to be after? We you know we've been talking about this the, the pandemic within the pandemic, the epidemic of mental health. I've been talking about it for probably a year or so uh on any oper- you know any radio or, or media opportunities I've had. Like this is really going to be a big deal. It's a big deal now. It's going to be worse uh, over the next decade. It's going to be just out of control. But women, one in 10 women had to quit their jobs. Think about it. The disruption in their lives. Women's had to manage their work, child care, elderly parents. It's not usually the husbands for some reason. I mean, some are really good at it. Shouldn't say all of them. But for the most part, mom is the one, right? Talk to me about your mom. 416-870-6400, 888-225-TALK. I want to hear from you right now. we got a few minutes. Tell me about your mom. How is she managing through the pandemic? And if you're a mom, how are you managing? And even better, if your mom is taking care of you right now, or it's your wife, or your husband, you got somebody in the house that's really helping you out big time, I want to hear from you. 416-870-6400. Share the story because it would be kind of nice, right? Somebody said, my mom's taking care of me. I think that's Sophia. Sophia, are you on the air here? I can be. My mom is taking care of me. I love my oh, mom. Amazing. But they do everything, right? Moms, don't you rely on mom for everything? I do. I had some health issues not too long ago, and my mom just snapped into action. I think she's listening right now. Hi, mom. Uh, Hi, Mom. Yeah, congratulations. You, Sophia's a wonderful young lady. You did a great job. Uh, but you know what? Mom, moms and, and women in general are just having a much harder time uh, through this pandemic, not only worrying about themselves uh, and worrying about the financial affairs of the household, but they're worried about their, their loved ones, right? Their husbands, their moms, their dads, their kids. Very difficult time for women, uh, more so than for men, because honestly speaking, for the most part, based on my experiences, Moms in households, when you have a mom and dad household, moms in households uh, take on a bigger chunk of the day-to-day stuff that really counts. I mean, sure, dads are out there, you know, the old story, right? Dads are out there working hard, moms at home taking care of the kids. Really, have you ever tried that? You think dad's out there working hard at the law firm or accounting firm or in the factory or running, driving a, a bus or Uber or working, doing a doctor, doing whatever he does, candlestick maker, who cares, right? He's out working hard all day. Then he comes home after a busy day at the office because mom's been at home with the kids. You know, after all, she's just at home. Really? Have you ever tried taking care of a bunch of kids? I get my grandchildren on the weekend, and I have help with my wife, who's amazing. We call her Pumpkin on the air because we don't give out her name. Pumpkin's amazing, right? And But after like a day or two 
I'm done. Like I need a, I need a rest from the, from the, from the time. So we have to acknowledge that, you know, women these days are having a much more difficult time. The cascading effect is having on their sleep, appetite, concentration, general moods. Uh, and these are the indicators, by the way, that lead up to things like anxiety, depression, or other forms of mental health disorders. So it's important that women take mental health seriously. All of us should, by the way, but in particular, this article speaks to the need for women to really pay attention. And by the way, if you're listening, and you're a husband or, 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 or spouse or, or a loved one or a lover or a partner or you're the kid and you're living at home, give her a break, man, right? Give her a break. Maybe get mom a little cup of tea or something or make her a little sandwich for, you know, sandwich for, for breakfast or, you know, make her a hot bath and say, mom, you know, why don't you just go take a bath for half an hour and leave everything else alone? Or, oh, my goodness, maybe do the dishes or go do the shopping, or now the patio's open, why don't you just wrangle up mom and say, listen, we're going to take you out for dinner because you've worked so hard. But what can you do as a mom? You can acknowledge that it's happening to you. If in fact it is happening to you, we want to be able to help. 416-870-6400 is how you reach me now, or road to recovery at 640toronto.com is how you can reach me during the week by email. So acknowledge that it's happening to you. The events of the past years can be very difficult for someone to realize. And the first step is to recognize that it's happening and it's actually affecting your life. Then find someone to listen to that'll validate it. That could be me. We do this every Saturday night. I'd love to listen. Be glad to validate you. And by the way, if you email me through the week and give me your phone number, I'll call you. We can hang out on the phone and talk a little bit. Glad to share some free advice if I can. Hear what's going on. See if I can help in some way. Coaching, right? You need someone, someone, a mental health benefit, a job coach or spiritual advisor. Talk to your rabbi, your imam, your priest, your pope, or, or whoever you talk to, right? Whoever it is that you can get to. Talk to your primary providers, and they're often the best help. Like, talk to your doctor first. Family doctors, good, good, good place to start. Just not feeling right, doc. I'm not sleeping. Make sure they don't slam you with a bunch of meds first, though, right? You want, you're looking for help. You're not looking to get zoned out. Um, you know, you need to wrap, you know, revamp your self-care plan, sleeping, eating, taking care of yourself, getting some, uh, some, uh, some good exercise, also helpful. Notice if you have any kind of suicidal thoughts, make sure you get to somebody really, really soon. But you can always uh, call. There's a crisis hotline uh, that you're able to call here. The number is uh, 1-800-668-6868. It's the kid's help phone, but they'll help adults as well. Or you can call uh, Crisis Service Canada at uh, 833-456-4566. So you know what? As we, as we close the show here tonight, you also have a choice. You have choices and boundaries, right? As a, as, a, as a mom, you can make choices. You have choices and boundaries. Make good choices and put boundaries around the ones that you need to put in place so that you're not being affected. And reach out to me. We're here to help. We want to do what we can. Road to Recovery at 640toronto.com is how you reach me. In closing, I just want to let you all know that we're coming out the other side, folks. Absolutely. We're coming out the other side. All you got to do is walk around a little bit and you'll see people are being more hopeful. They're more careful. They're more thoughtful, but they're smiling just a little bit. We're going to come out the other side of this thing a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter than when we went into it. And we're going to be right here every Saturday night talking to you about how that experience goes, what that road to recovery looks like for you. And really, I can't tell you how much I love that you're here with us how much I appreciate you choosing us. And just, I love you guys, man. You're just, 
the best audience ever, and I'm looking forward to building our relationship and sharing and saving other people and just doing really good stuff with the weeks and months to come. So have an amazing week. Enjoy the sunshine. Go do what you can. You know, get to if you golf, golf. You get to a pool, get to a pool. Go kick a ball in the park. Throw a football with your kid. Do whatever it is you need to do to get jiggy with it because we're going to have a wicked summer. Lots of fun. This is Yona Bud on 640 Toronto wishing you the best and love the one you're with. Give them a big hug for me. See you next week.